The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm your host Suzanne Phillips and I want to thank you for joining me today on Psych Up Live. November 11th is Veterans Day and so we're going to dedicate this show and podcast to our veterans, both old and young. Now since the start of the war in Afghanistan in 2001 and Iraq in 2003, About 2.5 million members from all of the services and related reserve and National Guard units have been deployed to those wars. 14.5% have been women, many of whom have served in combat. You know, when we see men and women in uniform, we often thank them for their service. But how often do we really think about what happens when they return home? How often do we know their stories? Today, you're going to have the opportunity to take a closer look with me. We are joined today by filmmaker Sue Saprell. Her earlier work have been award-winning documentaries, Set for Life, and Over 50 and Out of Work. Today, Sue Saprell comes to Psych Up Live to discuss her powerful and soon-to-be-released documentary, Soldier On, Life After Deployment. This feature-length documentary chronicles the challenges that three post-9-11 female vets face readjusting to civilian life. We are so fortunate that we are also joined by 12-year veteran, former Marine Staff Sergeant Natasha Young, one of the female veterans featured in the film. We have an opportunity to have an insider glimpse in how vets really soldier on as they try to assimilate back into today's society. Sue Saprell and Natasha Young, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Okay. Thank you, Suzanne. You're very welcome. Let's start with you, Sue. Um, now, your former work was on um, the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, talking about the dissemination, you know, the economy was disseminated, was was just destroyed, 15 million Americans lost their job. It's quite a different subject. Um, you did wonderful things. I think even gave, um, spoke to Congress about it. 
What made you decide to do a documentary on women veterans and their adjustment back to civilian life? At the most basic level, Suzanne, I wanted to make this documentary because I was very curious. Who are the women who volunteer for U.S. military service today? What happens to them during their military service, especially if they deploy? And how do they readjust to life at home? Uh, um, That's what got me going, and that's how I embarked on this project. Okay, so let me ask you, because when when our listeners actually see this powerful documentary, your focus is on three very, very interesting and impressive women. How did you choose Natasha, who we're going to speak to in a minute, Amanda and Lindsay? How did you come to choose these three women, Sue? Well, maybe I should end with Natasha, because that will be a good... Uh, segue into Natasha when she's ready to speak. So I'll begin with Amanda. I am an independent filmmaker, so I don't have the luxury of interviewing hundreds of people and then focusing in on just exactly the correct um, characteristics that I want to include. But there were a few um, check marks that I wanted to make. I wanted to um, get women who uh, had deployed. I wanted to cover as many branches of service as I could across three women. I, did not, I wanted to spread them as um, widely geographically as I could, although mm-hmm. I wanted them to be within driving distance so that I would be able to get to them quickly if there was something happening in their lives that I wanted to film. But specifically, I was looking for a woman who, was, um, who had uh, served and who was homeless. And uh, I was in Rhode Island for the summer, and I just started contacting many, many uh, veterans groups in Rhode Island. And I was referred to Operation Stand Down Rhode Island, and after I got to know them and built up a degree of trust with them, they allowed me to meet Amanda. And she was living in a homeless shelter at the time, and she wanted to be in the film to tell her story. So that Mm. is how I found Amanda. Okay. And the way I found Lindsay is even more complicated, really, because I started uh, this film, Soldier on Life After Deployment, thinking that it was going to be about how equine therapy helps female veterans recover from the stresses of military service. Oh, most interesting. Okay. Uh, but, I, but I decided, and I did quite a bit of filming at Barnes & Stables in Georgia, Connecticut, and New York, that that was too narrow a lens for me, that I wasn't only interested in one therapeutic method. I was more interested in the wider experience of women veterans and the issues that they face readjusting to civilian life. Mm -hmm. But through the exploratory process for my film, I uh, was at a barn in New York, and the proprietor, the therapist at the barn, told me that she was working with a young woman whose partner was currently in Afghanistan and was returning home soon. And I was thrilled because I, that gave me the opportunity to begin filming a veteran the moment she stepped off the plane. Right. So that was Lindsay. That's okay. why I was very eager to include Lindsay in the film because um, Amanda had already been home for a while when I began filming her. And then um, Lindsay, we were able to film when she stepped off the plane at LaGuardia. And then Lindsay had some characteristics which added 
um, so, some new notes to the film. As you know from watching the film, she's gay. Um, but what really um, universalized her experience for me is the stresses that um, deploy- deployments put on all relationships, familial mm-hmm. rom- relationships, romantic relationships. And um, so that's why Lindsay is in the film. And then Natasha also, I found Natasha through the, um, the equine, the initial equine search, mm. because we were down at a, a, a facility in Georgia, and I actually met a um, veteran there who had been part of the Mission Continues, and I had mm-hmm. never heard of that organization before. So when I got back up to New Jersey, I researched the Mission Continues, and I saw Natasha on the website. And so I got in touch with her immediately and asked her if she would be willing to participate in the documentary. But because at the time she was working for a nonprofit organization, um, she it wasn't really possible. She was traveling too much. Mm-hmm. So um, I kept her in mind, and um, I was online one day, and I got it popped up on LinkedIn that Natasha Young had a new job. So I recontacted Natasha and asked her if she would be willing to participate in the film. Oh, and Natasha is a Marine, or was a Marine, as you know, and so mm-hmm. I was eager to include Natasha for a number of reasons, because she was a Marine, because she had been deployed to Iraq twice, um, because she had worked for the Mission Continues, and once I met her, um, Natasha was irresistible because she's so articulate and such an um, intelligent and well-spoken person. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I want to move right to Natasha, but I'm going to ask you one more question, Sue, and that is, what was the period of time from starting the filming of Amanda to completing this documentary? Well, I actually filmed the women for about 18 months, mm-hmm. um, but it took me about another 18 months to complete the documentary, maybe a little less, 15 months. Editing this documentary took a very long time, uh, weaving together the three stories in a way that um, was powerful and I felt and that I felt was sincere but didn't sensationalize any of the women's experiences, um, took a lot of thought. And also my editor and I did um, hours and hours of research to find historical footage that was appropriate, well, that not just was appropriate, that was exact the exact time and place when each veteran was there. So the mm-hmm. footage from Iraq is from the years that um, Natasha was deployed, and the footage from Afghanistan is from when uh, Lindsay and um, Amanda were there. Even if it's not footage that they were able to provide to me, we did so much archival research to find the footage that was exactly right. So it took a long time to put this together. But as a result the finished product is really quite amazing because you really feel you're in you're in present time. This doesn't feel like, you know, old archives. Actually, it feels these women are alive and we see them over the course of these 18 months. So let's bring it to you, Natasha. So why did you agree to work with uh, Sue? Um, initially, when Sue had contacted me, I was a regional recruiter for a wonderful nonprofit called Mission Continues. Mm-hmm. But um, at the time, I was a single mom, and I was traveling between Maine and Florida, and I had decided to take another job because, you know, as a mom, I was traveling maybe for perhaps three weeks out of the month, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. turned around, and my son was older, and I needed 
I wanted to participate and be a part of his growing up. Mm-hmm. So I took a, a job at a local vet center and working housing homeless vets, and Sue had popped back up. But initially, I was just traveling too much. When she reached out to me again, um, I'm not sure I was keen on the idea initially um, because it, it, it highlights your issues. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to put yourself out there in such a raw way mm-hmm. for other mm-hmm. people. Because when you put yourself out there, you subject yourself to other people's opinions and, mm-hmm. you know, th- the way that they perceive you. But I also thought, you know, a- after meeting Sue and, and her filming crew, how sincere and, and the message that she wanted to get across. And if I could be a tool to, to do that, then it was my duty to do it. Mm, regardless of how uncomfortable it was for me. Yeah, and your story is such a powerful one. Let me ask you, did you come to know Amanda and Lindsay, Natasha? Uh, Did you meet? Ironically, just as I feel like I know them personally because of Sue's emotional connection with them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that stood out to me about Sue is I've been in several... um, news articles. I've been featured in the Boston Globe, the, the, the Huffington Post. But the way Sue approached telling our stories was so sincere. And, you know, she had touched on the point saying she didn't want to sensationalize it. It's sensational enough without adding to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was authentic. And I, I appreciate that from Sue. And her emotional connection to the other two young ladies, I felt that. So while I've never met them, um, I do feel as if I know. I would like to meet them at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, now, um, may, I, may, I tell you a, may I tell you a funny story, Suzanne? Sure, I was sure. very um, tentative when uh, Sam, who was the, um, he did all the um, filming for, or well, he did about 98% of the filming for Soldier On, when we went to meet Natasha at her home in Haverhill after she had been unable to participate and then there was the possibility that she could participate in the documentary. So we were sitting in her living room, and I said, Natasha, we're, you know, I'm interested in having you be one of the main characters in the documentary, but if you feel uncomfortable with that, perhaps you can have another, you have some other women who um, have deployed that might be, who might be interested in participating. And Natasha said, I'll never forget that, because I felt very strongly that I wanted to encourage her to participate, that I really uh-huh. wanted her in the film, but I did not want to fe- her to feel pressured. And Natasha said, you don't want me. <laughs> <laughs> and I did want her, but I didn't want her to feel pressured. So that's how we got going. <laughs> it was well, a funny moment for me. I don't know if you remember it, Natasha. I do. <laughs> but also, I spoke to Lindsay. This was also amazing. I was able to call Lindsay um, because I hadn't met Lindsay yet. You know, she was going to walk off the plane, and we were going to be there with the film crew, so she wanted to speak to me in Afghanistan. And she said, Sue, I don't want to participate in this film if it's going to be military bashing. And I said, Lindsay, I give you my word. The film will reflect your experiences. And so if, on balance, your experience in the military has been negative, my documentary will reflect that. But if your experience in the military has been positive, my documentary will reflect that. And that will be true for each of the women who participate. And, and that was the turning point for Lindsay when, when she said, okay, that's fine, then I am interested in participating. And the last thing I want to say is that 
all three women really participated, not for themselves, but because they felt that sharing their stories would help other women who were considering who who are considering joining the military today, or who are actually deployed, or who are readjusting themselves right now to life at home. So I feel all three women. Um, well, I know all three women participated in Soldier on Life After Deployment for very altruistic and um, wonderful reasons. Mm, and, and I think that the uh, the documentary really really will serve a very important validating and informing role. Uh, Natasha, um, we have a little bit of time still left in this segment, so let me ask you this, because there are many parts of your story that I think actually do validate what other uh, veterans know, but civilians don't know this too well. For instance, would you say that what was your motivation for joining the military? My motivation. Yeah, why did you join? Um, I was an inner city kid from Lawrence, Massachusetts, and you know I had done fairly well through high school. And going into my senior year, I, a recruiter was calling for my my sib, my cousin looking for her to, to give her information, and she was no longer interested. And he, the only recruiter that asked about me was the Marine recruiter. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was too young. He's like, give me 15 minutes, and I'll change your life. And as sure as the day is long, he was there the next day early. And I remember being in awe of him. Mm-hmm. He was his uniform was sharp. He was on time. He was a God-fearing man. He, he was a family man. Um, and, he, and for the first time in my young adult life, life, it was somebody who said, I think you could be more. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, yeah, and so and he was right. He changed your life in those 15 minutes? It only took him three. <laughs> Yeah, one of the best things about you, Natasha, is your sense of humor. It's terrific. Um, well, I we're going to laugh sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're great. Well, we're going to take a brief break. Um, where you, you've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we have a very exciting and important show. We're here with Sue Saprell. She's the filmmaker of the new documentary, Soldier On Life After Deployment. And we're talking, actually, to Natasha Young, who's one of the female veterans featured in the film. When we come back, we're going to take a closer look and hear Natasha's perspective, not only of life in the military, but life coming out. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. 
Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with filmmaker Sue Saprell, her new documentary, Soldier On, Life After Deployment. And we were just talking to one of the female veterans, uh, former Staff Sergeant um, Natasha Young, to really ask her to tell us some of what very few people know about Military life and the return from military life. Natasha, I, I got the sense uh, seeing this powerful documentary that at times you were in very difficult situations. At one point you're working with teams that are going out to look at, I guess, explosive, potentially explosions and explosive ordinance. Um, um, I guess IEDs sort of and, and improvised explosive devices. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you are supporting those teams, and you describe it as a very difficult time. I, I wonder, and yet a time where you were very much needed. Um, at the time, I, I had deployed in 2007 with um, 2nd EOD Company out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And it was the first time I had already de- been deployed once before. Um, but I was hand-selected to be their company gunnery sergeant, and... I was in charge of the nine-line support and making sure that they had everything to do their jobs. Um, I think they're such a tight-knit team, the EOD community, very much like you would think of the infantry or recon marines or mm-hmm. um, special forces. They're, they're a subculture within a subculture. I see. And um, I think there was one female tech with us at the time, which are, are maybe one. They're very rare. And I remember it wasn't a matter of, it was a, ma- it was a, it was a numbers game at one point in the deployment where most of our, our injuries would either happen right in the beginning or towards the end because in the beginning you're doing a changeover and you're, you're relieving another group to come back home. Mm. And then at the end you become either complacent or you're not as 
vigilant, vigilant as you were in, in the, maybe perhaps the beginning or the middle of the deployment. Oh, and it, was, it wasn't a matter of if people were going to get hurt. It was when and who and how many. Mm-hmm. And when your friends, people that you've built relationships with, people that you consider your friends, because um, I, I was with them for a year before we deployed, and we became close. Um, mm-hmm. When you're cleaning up their gear to send it back to their families, and you, you, I didn't have a time to grieve. Yes, yes, that's um, what you said. Mm. And sometimes I, I mean, they... Whenever we had a casualty... Like, I was up for, like, 24, 48 hours just mm. getting all their gear to go back to their loved ones and um, just doing everything that you, you need to do mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. for them and their memory and their service and their sacrifice. My issues, my feelings didn't matter mm-hmm. I, like, mm-hmm. at the time. And I never really processed that until I came home or... I, w- I don't even know if I'm processing it all properly now. Mm-hmm. I-, I know that I try every day. Mm-hmm. So, did that answer and your question? Yes, it's 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 a very a poignant and powerful answer because often they say not until you come home and you feel just a little bit safe are you able to know where you've been and what it is that you've faced. When you speak about this, you know, anyone listening, we could feel what it is that you had to deal with. Um, and it strikes me, though, through everything you say in the film, there's a pride you, you have for serving. I mean, you even say when you come home, you, you just, you, it's easier for you to work with vets than non-vets. Yes. And if you want to know the truth, I, I missed a point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been out since 2011 now, and, you know, where, where my humor, my sense of humor is different. My perspective is different. My interpretation of work ethic and my values don't correlate with that of my peers. Mm. Um, when I'm in school, I'm in school with the people that I guess you would consider the millennials or the younger generations. Mm. And so I, there's a serious disconnect in the way that I am able to communicate with them and the way that I'm perceived. You know, one of the things that when coming back and working with the nonprofits is we're trying to challenge social stigmatisms mm-hmm. and the way that they perceive us. A lot of the American population, they know that post-9-11 veterans are returning um, by the thousands and they have this preconceived notion that all of us are mentally unstable or we're homeless or we're drug addicted. And, you know, that's why I, I felt it so prevalent to go work in the community because, where I view my service as an honorable thing, where I view the values and the pride that I have in who I am and what I do every day, I attribute a lot of those qualities and traits. You know, the, the Marine Corps polished that. Um, mm-hmm. They gave me mm-hmm. structure. They gave me discipline. And they provided me with an opportunity. What I did with it was my choice. And that's what mm-hmm. they do for the mo- most people who join. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do. I loved my service, and being mm-hmm. deployed is so much easier than dealing with the day-to-day life, the, the mundane. Mm-hmm. If something, mm-hmm. I tend to stress myself out and procrastinate, just to because I'm under the impression that I work better mm-hmm. under stress and anxiety because I functioned at that level for so long. 
I don't yes. know how to function when things are not that way. So I almost self-sabotage and create those situations because that's when I excel. Mm. Well, you it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're sending the message out about the capabilities as well as some of the scars that many, many veterans carry because, you know, if we think about it, and I, and I heard one man speak about this and I loved what he said. He said, take a look at why your vets are so suitable to deal with high-level anxiety situations. They've already done that. They've already functioned in a way in which they had to have deal with responsibility and they regulate their anxiety. That's what they had to do. And I think you've actually, I can imagine, and you're very open about sharing the pain and certainly some of the rough spots, but I, I loved seeing that you were recognized at the White House as a champion of change, uh, that now you're working with um, the mission continues. I mean, you're drawing, I'm assuming, on part of that that strength and that training you got as a Marine. Um, I believe that I was already, I was destined to do well in life. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have the tools because I come from a lower middle class family. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have money for school. And it provided me with, with a way out. I would... I'd agree with you on that one. Mm. Um, uh, Suzanne, may I jump in yeah, here for a moment? Sure, sure, That's Sue, actually, yes. um, That actually became really important to me as I made the film. Um, you know, I grew up in Rhode Island, which is, and then most of my adult life I've spent in the New York metropolitan area. But being democratic with a, a lowercase d is very important to me, and both my first film took me around the country into communities that are really struggling, trying, you know, the death of manufacturing and other hardships that um, local economies suffered during the Great Recession. And really, I met so many people whose lives had been turned upside down by economic forces that were beyond their control. Mm -hmm. And not many people have uh, have the opportunity to travel around the country. So, um... So deeply, not as a tourist, mm-hmm. but really to meet people and have people tell you about a job that they loved and then excelled in for 25 or 30 years and then lost through no fault of their own mm-hmm. and are struggling to figure out how to pay their bills and hold on to their home. Similarly, although the topic is very different, I feel the same about understanding something about the experience of people who have served in the military, which um, protects all of us. Because since the people who serve in the military today represent less than 1% of the American public compared to around 12% after World War II, most people don't have the familiarity with the um, people with military experience that they did 40 or 50 years ago. The number of veterans who serve in Congress has diminished decade by decade. So even our, our, um, the people who, the elected officials who make decisions about peace and war don't have the same exposure to military life that um, prior generations did. So um, being, I derived tremendous benefit from getting to know um, Natasha and Lindsay and Amanda and understanding a lot more about the military experience of women in particular, but all um, men and women in general in the United States today. And that, when you asked me the first question in today's interview, I, said, I gave you my 
simple reason, but the deeper reason is to really understand a community that my life doesn't intersect with much on a daily basis, but mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. protects all of us, mm-hmm. serves and protects Th- all of us. Yeah. Thank you. Picking up on that, um, Natasha, you're, you really give us a, a, a real glimpse of the complications on relationships and how to even hold on to mothering as a, a female vet and a, a former Marine. What would, you, what would you give us advice to women in the military and or what should civilians know about what you have to deal with when you come back in terms of relationships? Oh, God, that's a million-dollar question, Suzanne. Um, deploying military service has not been conducive to many military families. I mean, if you look across at the divorce rates, it's high. Um, I think that being a great, like I was, this is difficult. Okay. Um, My son, when I was, when I found out I was going to be a mom, I was elated. Mm -hmm. I was told I couldn't have children. So Julian was really a a blessing for me. Mm. Um, But that came with a lot of, I lost control of my body. Um, There were some medical issues that after he was born, I couldn't lose the weight. I was, I dealt with some cancer issues and a hysterectomy Mm. at 30. Mm. And the Marine Corps and my command at the time was not, and this is not, thank God that I had served in many different units and had, was at the point in my career that I was because I knew that these were, it wasn't the entire Marine Corps, it was just these individuals that they don't like females, they don't think we should be having children or bearing children and serving. You know, that's just a oxymoron for them and Mm -hmm. they made my day-to-day life very very difficult there was times where I didn't even know how I was going to make it through the next day wow and it was such a fall from grace to be viewed that way by my command because I was a stellar marine I was I ended my career on recruiting duty and I was a better recruiter than my male counterparts bar none Mm -hmm. great and I did it pregnant I did it throwing up in a basket I was doing in six, seven-hour days what those boys couldn't do in 12-hour days. Wow. And I, had to be, I found a way to become super efficient so that they would kind of give me a little leniency with being a single mom. And in the end, I mean, I was medically, you know, retired, and I went through a really getting out with dealing with the medical issues in of itself was, was hard. But I, I felt like I kind of resented my son. I, it took me a long time to bond with him, and that's very hard to admit out, out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't. There was periods where I wasn't a very good mom. Now, it took me all of my everything to get out of bed that day, or shower, or mm-hmm. function. Um, let alone make my toddler spaghettios, or you know what I mean. To do the daily mm-hmm. mundane things were difficult for me. Mm. Um, I was fortunate to have people that cared about me and told me to get off my butt and to shower, which was, I, I, I'm grateful for the advice. And, <laughs> you know, to be productive again, I was missing being productive. And that's how I got into volunteering and I felt that sense of purpose again. I want, I want to feel wanted. I want to be important. I want to be able to take a step back from 
something that I've put my blood, sweat, and tears in and see a finished product. And mm-hmm. you get that, you get those senses of accomplishment with the military. At least for me. I can't speak mm-hmm. for everybody else, but for me, mm-hmm. the Marine Corps was very good to me. Um, mm-hmm. Not always. There was days where it was, you know, it's peaks and valleys, but you get that with every career. And what mm-hmm. I got in return for what I gave, I, you know, some yeah. of the people that I've met are just beautiful. And it kind of made all the jerks that I had to deal with a little bit more tolerable, if you yeah. will. You know, Natasha, it really, it's so clear to me why Sue really loved the fact that you were in this film. Because you really just put words to what people don't hear. The mix of it all. The pain, the inability to get out of bed, and yet needing that purpose. And I'm, we're going to have to take a break, but I'm, it's like a spoiler. But when you see... Natasha's relationship with her little Julian, it is, it's, it's, it, you know, it, I get emotional just talking about it because it's precious. It's really precious. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back, folks. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're so fortunate to have with us filmmaker Sue Saprell and her new um, documentary, Soldier On Life Post-Deployment. And this wonderful Marine veteran, Natasha Young, who's been sharing what it's like to be a woman in the military and to find the way home. Stay with us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hoarding has become a tremendous issue worldwide, not just for those who hoard, but for the people who love and care about them. On Take Back Your Life, when your things are taking over, host Elaine Birchall helps you to understand and get unstuck from the clutter in your life, no matter how severe. Our program brings you practical strategies to help you get started and maintain your goals. Listen live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A wave of change is happening in our world now. A new feminine way of leadership is emerging. Yet this is not about women taking over. This rise of the feminine is helping men too. Join host Gina Lazenby, award-winning businesswoman, best-selling author, and speaker on feminine wisdom as she reports on the rise of the feminine with inspiring stories of women who are coming into their own and finding their unique purpose. Tune in and join this conversation in the rise of the feminine each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to 
Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We've been here talking about the new documentary by Sue Saprell, Soldier on Life After Deployment, and we're lucky enough not only to have the filmmaker, but to have Natasha Young, who's one of the female veterans who's featured in this, and she's been sharing some of the beautiful um, and important aspects of serving and returning home. Um, Just as I think I will say to listeners, you are going to really be impacted when you see this documentary. You can't see it and not be taken. Uh, You heard me even get emotional describing seeing Natasha and her little Julian um, in the film. Well, just as I think the the listeners, when they view this, are going to be moved and engaged with it. I wanted to ask you, as the filmmaker, Sue, um, you were behind the camera. We talk often, as, as a psychologist, I'll say we often talk about vicarious trauma. That is, that media folks suffer watching, hearing, becoming immersed in their subject And we also talk lately, more often, thankfully, about vicarious inspiration, how they're moved by coming to know the people that they're they're working with so well. Did you experience any of that in your filming of this documentary? Yes, and it's it's really a wonderful question. Thank you for asking it, Suzanne. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, certainly there were many times when I was sitting with Natasha or Lindsay or Amanda where I was really struggling to not cry, to hold in my emotions and to concentrate on the interview so that I could ask them the next question about what happened and how how they were dealing with the situation in Iraq or Afghanistan. But beyond that, more importantly, I do feel that uh, creating Soldier on Life After Deployment did provide me with um, a great deal of inspiration and, in fact, really changed me. So mm-hmm. I spoke earlier today about how my idea for the film, what the film would be about, evolved. And I also evolved over the course of making the film because when first, as Amanda said, I mean, as Natasha said today, you know, she, she, she came from um, pretty tough circumstances and when she joined the military, it was a very good and viable choice for her. But she didn't have a real array of other legitimate choices, which is the premise on which an all-volunteer force is based, that, it's a, you know, that young people in the United States have an array of choices and that the military is one of them. And that that's, but in many cases, for many young Americans, that is not true. And it really became obvious to me that, as a country, uh, we, it, it's true today that the, um, in an all-volunteer force, the mental health of the all-volunteer force is not the equivalent of the mental health of the civilian population. And so we take advantage, in a sense, of a 
a part of our population that doesn't have legitimate economic choices when they join the military. And this has nothing to do with the military being uh, a good or bad institution. This ha- because, as Natasha has said very well today, she benefited from her military experience. But it, it's the, in, an, in an economy where people don't have viable economic choices and they only have the military as a way to progress, it doesn't seem right to me as an American. So hmm. actually my thoughts really changed over the making of this documentary, and I feel that the United States should reinstitute the draft so that the burden of military service, the burden or joy and or joy of military sh- service is shared, distributed more equally across the population, or compulsory national service. But making this documentary really transformed me. And, and as, a, as a final note to that, Suzanne, I have to say I don't make this statement lightly because I have five children, and if mm. this were altered in the United States today, it would directly impact my family and me. Okay. Wow. Really, thank you. Um, now, Natasha, let's ask you a similar question. What was the impact of being in this documentary? Um, there was, it was um, peaks and valleys as well, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. There okay. was days, like, they would catch me, you know, we would schedule times for them to come and either go with me to the VA or go with me to Arlington, which was my first time there visiting um, mm. Callahan and Pete. Like, mm. I, never, I I just hadn't, with being so sick, and my son, I hadn't made it to Arlington National Cemetery prior to that, that moment. Mm. Um, mm. And that was, something I, I've been wanting to do. I don't know if I subconsciously put it off. Mm. And then there's, you know, there's, there was moments where, like, I was grateful that they, they, you know, Sue for the past, you know, couple of years has been a constant for me. She's a, mm. I consider her a friend. I consider her someone who I respect her opinion. Um, mm. Well, I may, may not agree with the whole gra- draft part, but, um okay. That would, that's just my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that everybody should be required to serve at some capacity, whether it's um, volunteering at home or everybody should have some component of service. I do agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. But there was times where I've had to, I, I, I asked them to stop filming and that they had to leave because whenever they would come to film whatever footage they were getting at that time, they would cover such a large, vast, and it put me through an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, towards after a couple of hours or at the end of the day, or, I would have enough. But then there was days where I, would, I was grateful mm-hmm. because I know on days that where maybe I wasn't doing so great that Sue cared. She gave a shit. Forgive mm-hmm. me. She cared. Mm-hmm. And I could count on her to show up. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It was clear that there had to have been a relationship. I think there's one point where you're telling her about the living arrangements and a uh, brother is in the basement and the uh, ex is somewhere else. And you go, this is weird, right? Or this is strange. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> sweet. It's so very adorable the way you say it. And you only say it like that, to, I think, if the other person's an intimate person with you. I mean, you, you get the feeling of you being very, very connected with her in some of the ways you even react on the film. And that's that's where your real self comes through. And 
I don't think people are going to get to know that, and that's why this this documentary is really so powerful. It's a real inside look. So you're really you're you're back working with veterans um, in the mission continues. Um, you're you're completing your social work degree. I'm in um, school full time right now. Wow, wow. Are you enjoying it? Not really. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to ask you, what do you use that helps you show, soldier on, Natasha, no matter through all these, as you say, peaks and valleys? What do you think, really, if you were to share it with other women out there who are coming home now or have been home a while and are struggling, what would you say really gave you the kind of courage to just keep on going? Um, I would say it was probably an elevator ride for me in 2013. I I met a gentleman by the name of Lieutenant Colonel Mark Weber, and he actually wrote a book called Tell My My Sons, and he Mm -hmm. had passed away recently from stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Mm. Um, And he was coming, he was one of our speakers at... um, an orientation for the mission continues when I was a fellow and I knew he was an officer and I knew he was somebody special and he, he looked, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking tomorrow. But when he shared his story and I remember to that point, I was feeling very sorry for myself. I was walling, why me? Um, and it never occurred to me, why not me? And mm. the one thing of value that I take away from my relationship with Mark, um, because we did have a, a friendship, like almost, I, I look at him like a mentor, if you will. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and what he taught me was perspective. It's not always what the situation is, but how you look at it. And I remember we were doing a service project where, I mean, the man had multiple surgeries and a drain, and he had to be fed his... And, his food intravenously and he had a set of twin boys and he was out there shoveling stone and I'm like, Mark, he looked like he was struggling. And he Mm. said, my boys don't understand cancer. What they understand Mm. is that what they see and I can't ask them to come out here and do their best if I'm not doing my best. And that really hit home for me because I wasn't being a very good mother. I wasn't, Mm. I wasn't being my best. My son was so never in danger. However, he deserves my best. And he said, Natasha, it's okay to take a knee. Just don't stay there. Wow. And, it, and it hit me at that moment because for all the reasons I may have to complain about my life, my health, my mental well health, well-being, I'm still here to complain about it. And I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that opportunity. And I owe it to everybody, all my friends who've passed away, who whether by suicide or just didn't come home or, or, you know, they're here and they're just not the same as they once were, I owe it to them to lead a remarkable life or as remarkable as I can. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because your message is beautiful. We're, we're just about out of time, but Natasha, that's a wonderful message to pass on, taking, taking the steps from a mentor, integrating it and using it. It's wonderful. I want to make sure our listeners know, Sue, if you could tell our listeners how they would get to the site to find out more about this documentary. There's a trailer I know, your other work. How would they reach you? Thank you, Suzanne. If 
anyone wants to go to treeoflifeproductionsllc.com, treeoflifeproductionsllc.com, they can watch the trailer for Soldier On, see some of my other work, and also if they want to um, get in touch with Natasha, there's an email on that site, and I could pass on any um, interesting, any interested messages to Natasha. Mm. Um, Seuss and Natasha, I can't thank you enough. This show is dedicated to our veterans. I think you did them proud, Natasha. And oh, um, Sue, I, I think you really offered a gift to everyone who listens. Just that, what you said at the beginning, people don't know who these very special people are coming home, and we need to know. So thanks again, both of you, for coming on Psych Up Live. It was quite a gift. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Oh, you're very welcome. I want to also thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, on the Voice America podcast site. Also on your iPhone, if you go to free podcast apps, just put in Voice America and Psych Up Live. You'll have every show. We're also on iTunes and Sketcher. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. For next week, please remember to take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.